0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. It's good to have you with us this morning, and I welcome all of you, and As we dismiss our children to Children's Church and Children's Choir at this time, Uh, we do so. And uh, remember that we have our early childhood group that are in uh, their classes the entire time we meet. And uh, this is a very important part of our ministry. We take very seriously our uh, work with your children, uh, your grandchildren, my grandchildren, and we pray for the leaders and we pray for them. And if you ever have any questions about our ministry, please feel free to contact us and we would be glad to answer those questions. I want to echo also what Kevin and Gary both said about the parents meeting. If you have children coming up in the youth program and you want to know what's going on and be a part of that, I encourage you to come. I'm going to come, Kevin, because I have a grandson coming into the junior high program and they aren't going to be here yet, but he'll be here in June, so I'm going to come. So we uh, looking forward to that meeting, so please uh, continue to... Put that on your schedule. Now Gary also mentioned that our study and Mark together in Sunday school and in our morning services. Because the Passion Week, because from Palm Sunday to Easter uh, comprises so much of the Gospels, that's why we're a little bit out of sync. We weren't going to try and squeeze it all in next Sunday. So in Sunday school this morning, our adult Bible classes, our children's classes, our youth department, our focus today was uh, Palm Sunday, uh, during the Passion Week, there are certain um, titles given to the days. There's Palm Sunday. Uh, this Thursday, some of you from maybe some of your traditions have celebrated uh, Monday, Thursday. Uh, Good Friday. And of course, Easter Sunday. I'm going to suggest a, a new one to add to our week today. And that is Fig Tree Monday. <clears throat> so our discussion today is going to be about big tree Monday. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer as we do. And I, I want you to know when we pray before we uh, go into Scripture this is not just by habit. Uh, it's because this is a very important time in our service as we open God's word as part of our worship service. we're continuing to worship uh, through the word this morning. and I have to remind myself, you know as I'm studying this week and reading and looking at the Greek and going through different things, uh, you have to just kind of step back once in a while, and remind yourself that this is Jesus we're talking about. This is not just a study. This is not just a series. Uh, this is the Lord Jesus Christ that we're talking about this morning. And He is the reason that we are here today. Uh, he is the reason that we have forgiveness for sins, eternal life. And before I begin, I just, if anybody here today um, and you've come and you're interested, but you've never uh, received Christ's forgiveness for sins, As we open God's word, I do want to preface it by saying God loves you so much that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a life without sin so he could pay the price for my sin and for yours. He died on the cross of Calvary, a horrible, terrible death that we will never begin to scratch the surface of comprehending what it meant for him. We're going to celebrate that on Good Friday in our Ray service. It'll be a very solemn service. It'll involve the time with the candles and the, dark, the lights going and the choir singing. It'll be a very solemn, thought-provoking, worshipful service, and it should be. He did that because he loves you. But he rose from the dead on Easter morning, victorious over the grave, as we have sung about this morning, and he offers you forgiveness for sins. And you can receive that forgiveness for sins right where you sit today. It has nothing to do with us, our church, or anything else. We are simply messengers. It's between you and God. As we go to the Word and open uh, in prayer this morning, I invite you, if you've never received Christ as Savior, uh, I invite you right now to uh, receive Christ's forgiveness for your sins and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Father, uh, we do love you, and we've come once again on this Resurrection Sunday to worship you to sing together, to read the scriptures together, to contemplate together, to fellowship together. And Lord, uh, we pray as we do so that our thoughts and meditations will be acceptable to you and that you will uh, continue to remain the focus, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, the focus of our service this morning. Bless your word to our hearts in Christ's name. Amen. Mark chapter 11, the Gospel of Mark, and as we, as we go to this this morning, I, one thing to keep in the background that might be helpful because this is going to be a lot of agricultural thinking today about this story and fig trees and what happened to the fig tree is I want you to think about your experience, whatever it is. Some of you like to garden. Some of you do it because you have to. Some of you maybe live in apartments and places where you don't have gardens and maybe you have a plant that you take care of. Uh, Maybe, you know, at some point all of us have some, so I'm assuming at some point in our life we've all put our hands in the dirt, correct? Is that safe to say? Okay. Um, And I want you to think about gardening, growing crops, you know, eastern Washington and the apple trees and the pear trees. I want you to think about the raspberry bushes. I want you to think think about the camellia bushes. I don't know how many of you like to read in the paper um, our friend Cisco, and uh, he's, he's always kind of an interesting read, but he was talking about camellia trees and um, pruning of them, and he says if you decide to prune it way back, which we did a couple of years ago in our tree, um, and you know, I'm, a, I'm not a pruner, I'm kind of a butcher, you know, <laughs> but, but it, it works, you know. He says, uh, it will look much better if you follow the advice of one of my horticulture professors who taught me to thin out the remaining foliage. According to my professor, camellias look their best when the foliage is open enough for a bird to fly through, Pruned it enough so a bird could fly through your camellia tree. By the time he finished his demonstration, however, it looked more like a 747 could fly through it. <laughs> So, as you can see, there's no little to worry about. There's little to worry about when it comes to pruning your camellia. And I think about that because we have a camellia tree, and they're always sort of the first one to bloom in the winter to sort of give you an indicator spring is coming. But as we go for our walk, we have a certain path we walk in our neighborhood, and we walk down Dayton Avenue quite often, and we go right in front of John B. Allen School down there in about 68th and Dayton. I'm sorry, it's on Dayton Avenue. And as we go by there, there's these camellia trees that come out over the sidewalk, and they are always the first to bloom. Why? Because they're against that brick building, which absorbs the sun all day long, is warmth, and they're exposed to the southern sunlight uh, till noon all day long. And it always amazes me. They come before our tree. So I want you to think about the variety in growing when it comes. Things are not always so set and determined as we think in black and white. So Mark chapter, keep that in mind, Mark chapter 11. And this is Palm Sunday. We study this on Sunday's close this morning. Jesus has come into Jerusalem. They have shouted, Hosanna, uh, is the Lord blessed is he who comes in the name of our Father. Uh, and the Lord blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David. And then he leaves, he leaves Jerusalem. He goes back to Bethany. Bethany. Um, You know, we're looking east that way. Bethany is up on the Mount of Olives. It's just outside of Jerusalem. It was his home away from home when he was in Jerusalem, the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so that's where he is staying. So after the throngs on, on Palm Sunday and the celebration and the children crying and laying down the palm branches, they go back out to Bethany for the night. Verse 12, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, they're going back to the temple. Jesus was hungry. It's morning. It's breakfast time. They evidently haven't eaten. Uh, these, were not, these were not rich people. I mean, he and his traveling group of disciples were dependent on the poor people they stayed with. And uh, they obviously didn't have breakfast that day. And they're, they're, going, they're going back to Jerusalem. And he's hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. But he said to the fig tree, he said to the tree, he spoke to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him. They heard him say this. And as you left last Sunday, I asked you to think about this question. uh, Why would Jesus curse a fig tree that wasn't supposed to have fruit anyway? Because it says it was not the season for figs. So I'm going to give you my take on it. You may have had different thoughts on it in Sunday school this morning, and there's different opinions on this. This is my uh, understanding of it, uh, the best that I could come to study in studying this week. And so to do this, we do need to take a little bit, a little thinking about fig trees. First of all, the, the foliage on a fig tree is, is very bright green. As you know, I've talked about the, the fig tree. I'm on fig tree number two right now. Fig tree number one uh, is, is gone, okay? And uh, But fig tree number one um, that I planted and let it grow for several years, it had beautiful green leaves like this. I mean, it is, they're a bright green. Uh, you remember the story from Genesis 3, right? So they sold fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves when Adam and Eve discovered they weren't wearing any clothes. And uh, so they took fig trees and they sold them together because of these fig leaves. Because the fig leaves are, are very broad. Even here in Seattle, the fig, leaf tree, the fig leaves can get very broad. They're very bright. They're very attractive. It is a very green, full tree, the fig tree. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned over the years, some of you uh, accompanied me on that journey through my messages and sermons. I'd, that fig tree uh, was really the wrong kind of plant here. It needed about two more months of warm weather. So every year I would get... Uh, the, the green figs, but very seldom are ripe figs, so I finally took it down and planted the right kind of tree that will produce the right figs, but it will have the same green, beautiful leaves that you will see now what happens with the fig tree what happens with the fig tree is the the buds right, we 're going to call them buds, basically, really come f- first, and then the leaves kind of follow it, and these little buds. I'm going to call them buds, but you know, if, if, you've, if you've ever eaten a fig, how many of you ever eaten a fig, a fresh fig? Good, good for you, okay. Um, you can buy them here, and uh, during the season, they're kind of expensive, but you can buy them, so that's why I'm growing my own tree, see? So anyway, so you take a fig and you cut it in half to eat it, and you'll notice what a lot of plants, what you would consider sort of the flowers that go out are actually in, that's why there's all those little seeds in there, it sort of blooms inside of itself, and the fig tree, the little buds come first. And these little buds are hard. They're, they're green. When, when you pick them off, there's a white sap. It's a sticky. It gets on your fingers. It's very sticky. And, um, and you, your tree will get a lot of these little buds like this. Most of these buds are going to fall off. They're going to fall off. They are not going to produce figs. It's the early growth in a fig tree. And it sort of would be corresponding with the leaves because they come first, then the leaves. And even though they fall off and are not the desired, you would not today go to the store and spend a lot of money to buy a basket of these. It does happen, though. Um, there's a name, the Arabs have a name for it. It's called taksh, T-A-K-S-H. Kind of hard to say, taksh. Um, and they, these little, even today, you, will eat, you can eat these little, these little buds. They are not as good as the ripe fig, but they are edible. I mean, I I got desperate, and by October, you know, my my tree had a a lot of things like about about this, looking like that, only a little bit bigger. And, you know, I'd I'd eat them anyway, even though they're hard and crunchy and they're not. But, you know, after all that waiting for figs, you know, you do what you can. But uh, (laughs) so this time of year, this time of year in Israel, you would see fig trees with lots of these on them. Most of them are going to drop. And they actually grow on last year's uh, growth. And the ones that don't drop are the ones that become the first crop of figs. You get two crops of figs in Israel on a fig tree. You might even get three crops that's been known to happen. And that's what I'm saying. Think about planting. It's not always as, as black and white as you think it is. I mean, think about your, think about your garden um, why is it that you come back and why is that onion still there? It should have been gone by now. Why did this one grow so fast? Why, why did those six raspberries on our raspberry bushes show up so early and the rest aren't anywhere near ripe yet? Why does that one apple tree in the orchard all of a sudden have these little apples on it when the rest aren't, don't have apples yet? These things happen. And in a fig tree, there's a lot of things that can happen. But it would normally happen that this time of year, you get all these little buds and they are going to fall off. But they are edible. In fact, they would collect them, put them in a basket and sell them in the marketplace. Food's kind of scarce in a lot of places. And so you can eat these things, but it's, but it's not fig season. The, other, the next thing would be the early crop. And this, this is a delicacy. In Israel, uh, the Jews had a name for this. Uh, In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, in verse uh, 13, you'll see there's a reference to the fig tree forms its early fruit. And the first figs that came early on the tree that were ripe were really a delicacy. It's sort of like the first sockeye salmon they bring down in Alaska Airlines, right? We take pictures of them, taking it out of the airplane. It's the first one. And these were a delicacy, and they were very sweet, and then finally, you have really what we would say the crop of figs. And probably the largest crop of figs would come on the second crop in the fall, a late summer, fall, possible, depending on whether you could get a third crop early winter, late in the fall. So this is kind of the life of a fig tree and the fruit on a fig tree. So te- technically, just like your gardens, Just like your trees, everything isn't always the same. And there are those oddball things that happen. And technically, a fig tree, in this time of year, possibly could have one old fig left over from last year. It happens on fruit trees, doesn't it? You know, there's that one apple that's still hanging there, even in Minneapolis on our apple tree in the winters there and stuff. There's that one apple that's still hanging there, and it is edible. The fig tree would produce these little nub figs that are edible. They're not the best, but you can eat them. And then finally, there is the crop of fig trees of figs in a tree. So what is going on here in, in this passage? the The thing here that that is really kind of a little bit disconcerting to, when we think about it is Jesus comes to this tree, and the Bible clearly says that seeing, the, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, so it's bright green, it attracts, it attracts you. He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Now, there's a couple ways to think about that. One is that this, you know, of course there's nothing to eat because it's not the season for figs. Why would there be anything on the tree? Understanding the the, the cycle of a fig tree, another way to understand it is, yes, it is not fig season yet. It is not apple season yet. The pears aren't ripe yet. It's not that season. That's understood. However, even though it's not the season for figs, there is still the likelihood that this tree will have some type of fruit on it. And in fact... If the tree had no of those tosh, if there were no bud, those budding figs on there, that was an indication this tree is not going to produce fruit this year. If there are are none of those on there, this tree is doomed for the year. There's going to be no fruit on this tree. And so the statement is not the season for figs really is not quite as troublesome if you just think about gardening in general. So what's going on here? Jesus comes up. It's not the normal season for figs. He's hungry. Now, of course, this is all part of what he's going to teach. This is, this is a parable. This tree becomes a parable. It's a living parable. It's not the season for figs. He is hungry. And he's, and he's, they're walking toward Jerusalem. This is the Middle East. And this time of year, it's starting to get warm. It's dry. It can be dry. but they're, But they're coming toward Jerusalem. He's hungry. And he sees in the distance this bright green fig tree that stands out on the road. It's maybe a wild one. It doesn't seem to be part of an orchard, but they grow everywhere. And as he looks at this tree, it draws his attention. This tree basically is screaming out, I've got fruit. It's not fig season, yes. But if a tree is that green this time of year, even if the trees around it aren't, this tree is advertising and screaming out, at least the talks will be here. And you can eat them. And so this tree is advertising to everybody I've got fruit. I've got something. You might even find one of last year's figs. You might, and it could happen. Remember, things don't always happen in black and white in nature. You might even find the first delicate fig on this tree. It's possible. Something odd has happened with this tree, it happens with trees. It happens all the time. This tree is screaming, eat me, I got fruit, come, I've got something here. And so Jesus goes to the fig tree and when he finds on that fig tree, what does he find? He finds nothing. He's not expecting to find a crop of figs, I personally don't think. In the Old Testament, there are connections with figs and Israel. It is true. There is a special connection in Jeremiah chapter 24 where, where the prophet compares two baskets of figs. You can look at this later and read in Jeremiah 24. A basket of good figs and a basket of very bad figs. The very good figs represent the people that are going into exile that God is going to take care of and protect and bring back to the land. The bad figs represent the, the king who is a very bad person and those who are with him. And Even if they go to Egypt, they are still going to rot. And, 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 and you see these connections in the Old Testament. But when Jesus comes to this tree, there should have been something on it. If this tree was going to produce this season, there at least should have been the fig buds, the tosh on that tree. And Jesus goes there and finds absolutely nothing. Nothing. No buds, no old figs, certainly not the spring early fig. He finds Nothing. But this tree has been screaming, I'm good. I'm fruitful. Look at my leaves. I got something here for you. And Jesus goes there and he finds nothing on that tree. And he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. He speaks to the tree. He talks to the tree and says, Uh, You are doomed. You are never, no one is ever going to eat fruit on you again. Ever. Sorry, tulips. (laughs) Never again. Now this is act one of the story. We got three acts to this story, three parts to it. Act one, two, and three. I want us to go to act three before we go to act two. This tree that had been falsely advertising itself as... As a place where you would find at least something to eat, that would serve your hunger. We come to Act Three, and uh, in Act Three is verse twenty in the morning. So this is this is day two of the fig tree. This is Tuesday morning. Jesus has been in the temple. Uh, we come back to that. They go back to Bethany. They come back to the fig, walking back to, Jeru- to, to Jerusalem. And in the morning, verse twenty, as they went along. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Now, think about this for a minute. This is what, you're, this is what we're looking at. Now, think about it for a minute. If, if a tree die, how many of you ever seen a tree die overnight? Have you ever seen that? That doesn't happen. I mean, even if I went home today and uprooted a tree and threw it on the ground, tomorrow there would still be leaves on it, Right? It will die. But this tree was absolutely dead, like it had like it had been dead for years. There was no growth. Not only was there no growth, the tree was withered and dry and ugly, and, and the disciples walked by and they saw this tree. It's right on the way. They went by there, and there's that tree. It's interesting that Peter's the one who remembers what Jesus said. I don't know. Maybe Peter's been thinking about this, you know, at night. Why did he curse that tree? What, what's he got against fig trees? You know what, what? What was he thinking? But Peter's the one who notices it, and he looks at the tree and he says, "Rabbi," verse twenty-one, "Teacher, Rabbi, Rabbani, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered." I mean, you know, when Jesus cursed a fig tree, they might have expected to come back in a year or so, and this thing would be. But he said, "Look at it; less than twenty-four hours, and the, and the, and the tree is." The tree is withered over 24 hours, and it's dead. It's it's gone. It's there, but it is dead. It's dry. And then Jesus says, and, and this is in conjunction, by the way. This is not a new story. It is in this context. It's in this context that Jesus says back to Peter, when he says, look, the tree is withered, that Jesus says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, now we sang this morning about our God who is mighty, He can move mountains, right? I say, to if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it, it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven May forgive your sins. Now listen, that is part of this fig tree story. That's part of this fig tree story. I uh, need to come back next Sunday, on Palm Sunday, because I'm gonna I'm going talk about that next Sunday. So I want you to think about that this week. What has that got to do with the fig tree? Why 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 is this part of the fig tree? You you've all you've probably heard these verses. If you could say this mountain, th- I mean, does that ever happen? Is this literal? Is is this literal that God that you could do this? That if you had a, if you had faith as pure as Jesus, that you could say to a mountain, dump in the sea and it would jump in the sea, that you could ask for anything you want and you would get it. Now listen, some of you have agonized in prayer over something. Some of you have agonized in prayer over something. Some of you have agonized over someone, and they are not here anymore. And you prayed your heart out. You prayed for something else in your life and it, and it didn't change. So what happened? Did you not have enough faith? Is there something in your life? What, 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 is this, what is this about? But why is it connected with the fig tree story? Well, I'm going to try to come back to that next Sunday, if you don't mind, and include that in our message next Sunday. But before we go today, we need to go to Act 2. Act 1, Jesus curses the fig tree. The, 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 just think in terms of a fig tree that is false advertising. I've got fruit. You don't have any fruit. You should have fruit, but you don't have any fruit. There should be at least something there to eat. Act 3, it's dead and gone, I mean, as far as life goes. It's history. And it's Act 2, which we covered in Sunday School this morning, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the detail, but in between those two fig tree stories, on reaching Jerusalem, verse 15... Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. This takes place in the court of the Gentiles. You know, In the, in the Jewish temple, this is the temple that, that King Solomon built that had been destroyed. And now King Herod has redone the temple and it is so much bigger than King Solomon. Some of you have seen pictures of the Wailing Wall. The Wailing Wall is just a small part Of the wall that was built to hold up the temple that sat on top of it. I mean, it was, it was, it was, Herod was one of the greatest architects and builders history's ever known. This was an amazing, absolutely breathtaking edifice. When you would come anywhere near Jerusalem, it would just, it, it it was there. And he comes into the temple, and in that temple, there's a court where Gentiles can go, Jews and Gentiles. So you go past that, and Gentiles can't go. And in that court, they are selling sacrifices because when you traveled to Jerusalem and you had to offer sacrifice, you you could buy it there. You couldn't bring it with you necessarily, but you could buy it there. When Jesus' parents, remember, came in Jerusalem, they bought the, the two pigeons to offer as a sacrifice, and they could purchase those in the temple. Unfortunately, what seems to be going on here, it doesn't really tell us, but a lot of people think what's going on here. Is they are they are abusing the people by selling these for inflated prices. You're stuck. You you know you're going to buy a you're going to buy a sacrifice that has to be certified, it has to meet certain recommendations or certain uh, um, qualities it has to have. So you have you have to buy that one, and so the price goes up because that you don't have a choice. You can't go down the street and buy a, a brand two, and so the, they were inflating the prices and making money off the people and taken advantage of people, mostly poor people, who came to the temple to offer sacrifices. And Jesus, when he sees this, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. You can imagine the doves flying and the things going and the benches turning, and he would not allow anyone to carry, not only did he overthrow them, they couldn't even carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written... My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, all nations. Remember, God's kingdom is not just for Israel. It's is going to be for all nations, but Israel is the light. Israel is the witness of God, and they are to bring this to the people. But you have made it a den of robbers, and the King James, a den of thieves. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began to look for a way to kill him. And they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, he went out, they went out of the city once again. Act three, Jesus overturns the money changers, drives them out. What has this got to do with the fig tree? Listen, the fig tree advertised, the fig tree advertised, I've got fruit. It might be early. I might be greener than the rest of the trees. But obviously, there's something here. And when Jesus gets there, what's he find? Nothing. Not a thing. Not even a tosh to eat and satisfy his hunger. It's a picture, friends. And I want to I clarify something. So often the commentaries and maybe even the footnotes in your Bible, the reference points and so on, will say, this is a picture of Israel. This is a picture of Israel, that Israel is dead. Israel has no life. I want to suggest to you that we ought to be a little careful with that language. Let's not forget, Jesus is an Israelite. The 12 apostles are Israelites. Mary and the other Mary and Martha and Lazarus are Israelites. Israelites. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus is an Israelite. Many Israelites have come and believed in him and placed their faith in him. And as you go to the book of Acts, you're going to see probably thousands in Judea of Israelites come to faith in Christ. Israel being set aside as a people we're going to learn about that later in the book of Acts when God begins something new, the church, the body of Christ. What is, what is it here that is condemned? It is the false advertising of the leadership of Israel. Now, you might not think that really makes that big a deal, but I want to, I want to point you to one passage, if you will. Would you go to Matthew chapter 23 in your Bible? And I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 23. This is quite an amazing This is quite an amazing verse. In Matthew chapter 23, this is Matthew's same time frame. This is the the Passion Week. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them. And do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. Now, how do you do that? Okay. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they teach. Verse 5, everything they do is done for men to see. You see, the temple screamed and advertised, you will find fruit here. You will find life here. You will find God here. But the leaders of Israel, the priests who ran that temple, who sat in Moses' seat, there is something to this authority. It is important. And those religious leaders, there was no fruit. And when you went to that temple and opened it up and looked inside, there was no fruit. Instead, what he found was people taking advantage of people, selling things at inflated prices, a show of religion, and Jesus goes on in his passage to talk to them and, and compare them to sepulchers that on the outside are beautiful, but inside are full of bones. There is no fruit. The tree is there. It should have fruit. It screams, I have fruit, but there is no fruit. Uh, Cliff put up in, in, you know, in, in Luke, the Lord Jesus Christ, on one of his trips to Jerusalem, he says this, he cries over Jerusalem, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim. How often, you you who kill the prophets and you stone those sent to you. You've been doing this since the Old Testament times. How often I would have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. This is God speaking. The Lord Jesus Christ is Jerusalem. I wanted, if you would just come, I would gather you and protect you. All the ravages you've been through, I would have protected you. But you were not willing. Look, your house, the temple is dead. It's left desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what I'm suggesting to you is on fig tree Monday that the fig tree represented the leadership of Israel. And, and, the, and, the, and the death, where there should have been fruit, there was no fruit. And those who should have been leading, those who should have been modeling it, those who should have been bearing fruit, there is no fruit. And Jesus is going to die and rise from the dead. And his apostles are going to bring the message to the nation of Israel, look, we killed the Messiah, but if we repent, he will come back. And he will set up this kingdom, and there is hope for Israel. But on this day, there does not look like there is much hope because of what's going on in the leadership of Israel. Now, I want to close this service because with a takeaway for you, because you know, it's easy to look at these passages. Um, it's easy to look at these and say, well, wow, that's too bad, you know. Um, but that's them, that's the leadership of Israel, that's the priests, that's the scribes and so forth. That's that's not us. But listen, this idea of fruit, this idea of bearing fruit is actually a very key part of God's relationship with his people throughout history, including today for you and for me. It is expected. You know, you could drive by our church and everything about this church could scream, there's fruit here. There's life here. Look at our facilities, look at our programs, look at our setup, look at our budget, look at all that we have, but it would be possible that there's no life here. Now, thank the Lord that's not true. There is life here, but there are no guarantees. You know, the elders we're going to meet this week and we're looking to the future of this church, what do you want this church to look like, 5, 10, 20, we're 50th anniversary, what would you like this church to look like 50 years from now, is it possible 50 years from now? You could have a building and a beauty and the, everything that screams, you know, there's fruit, and it'd be dead. Has that ever happened to a church before? Uh-huh. Has it ever happened to a, a lot of churches before? Yes, of course it's possible. Fruit is something that we are to bear. In Galatians chapter 5, that, of course, very well-known passage, the what? The fruit of the Spirit. And in that passage, Paul lists the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, and this is written to Christians, so it's possible that I could live my life in such a way that everything about me on the outside could scream and could advertise there's fruit here. But if these things aren't there, I'm dead and this is what should be there and this is not a pick and choose by the way this is not like this is fruit this is not fruits okay you can't say well I'm an apple but uh, my friend over there is an orange no this is not a pick and choose every one of us should be showing this in our life and listen friends if you're not showing it to the people that you live with and are closest to you you're not going to show it to the world when you go home today is this what you evidence and show to those closest to you love joy peace patience kindness kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self control If on the outside we are advertising that we are Christians when you come inside this better be here. And in closing, you know, yesterday morning we had our men's Bible study I'm I'm part of and Saturday morning a small group of us and we're starting a series on Colossians. And it's interesting when Paul writes to this church at Colossae, this church that he has actually not been there before, but he has had connections to others with the founding of this church and the ministry there. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul says this in verse 6, The gospel has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. And then he goes on and says again in verse 10, toward the end of verse 10, Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Listen, friends, as we conclude our service day, we've come and we've worshipped, we've sung to the Lord, we've lifted our praise to God, we've proclaimed and advertised that there is fruit here, that there is something here that, that, that evidences that we are who we say we are. And it's up to every one of us. And it's up to us as a church family and a church faith community that there better be fruit. Don't, don't tell me, yes, I believe in eternal security. Our church teaches that. But at the same time, those who are eternally saved, there should be some fruit. Now, it's the different stages of growth. There are different walks. But it is normal. There should be fruit in our lives. There should be fruit in your life, and it will come. And I, and I do close with this. You know, if you if you leave this building, and you go into that building over there, it's called the L.A. Peterson Youth Center. Now I know lots of you are newer to our church, and that does that just is no connection to you. That was our founding pastor, and he had a dream and a, and a vision for that building to be built, so our young people would have a place to have youth and activities, and basketball league, and receptions for the whole church, and all that. And, and we were able to get that built and dedicated before he died, uh, which was wonderful. And there's a plaque as you walk out, as you go out this side, right down by where the restrooms are, and there's a drinking fountain, and right above that drinking fountain, there is a, a plaque that dedicates this building in memory of L.A. Peterson. Buddy Blackwell, who was a very accomplished and uh, wonderful man, a very accomplished calligrapher, did that by hand and you will notice you will notice that on that plaque the the buddy did of the calligraphy of the vine and you will notice in the top from Ephesians chapter 1 which was one of our hallmark verses when our church started but you will also notice I am the vine you are the branches from this passage if a man remains in me and I in him he will bear much fruit apart Apart from me, Jesus Christ, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I ask you today, friends, and I'll ask myself first, this past week, looking ahead to this week, am I planning to spend time with the Lord? You know, I'm glad you're here today. God bless you for coming today. It's an encouragement to everybody else that you're even here today. But, when you leave here today, is this this all there is to your walk with Christ? Or are you and am I willing to really spend time in, in God's Word and really consider it? Am I willing to pray and spend time in communion with the Lord, to pause and to meditate and to think about the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit? Am I willing to be a vine... Am I willing to be connected to that vine and that source so that in my life, in my life, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in this church, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not be a fig tree that advertises there's something here. There's fruit. But in reality, I'm just a green leaf. And there's nothing there. To feast upon that belongs to God close our service and we're to our Heavenly Father uh, we do need you every hour every moment every second and what a what a privilege father what a what a humble privilege that uh, we who are sinners saved by the grace that you've shown I can come to you and even call you father today that we can even call the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior and the head of the church, the body to which we belong. To even begin to contemplate what it means that the presence of the very Holy Spirit of God dwells in each of us and in us collectively. And because of that, Lord, I just pray that in my life and the life of each person here, uh, Father, I pray that Uh, beginning in our very own families, our own homes, to our own children and spouses and brothers and sisters and parents and grandparents and our next-door neighbors and our community and in our church and in our world, that, Lord, uh, we pray that through us this week uh, there will be fruit and that people will see evidence not of us, but of you through our lives. Lord, give us the strength, give us the power, and give us your presence this week. In Christ's name we pray.